AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. We are live at Top Producer Summit. It's been a great first day on the ground in Kansas City. This morning, we had a fantastic farmer forum with the finalists for Top Producer of the Year. This afternoon, we're talking with some of the top presenters at TPS. We're talking fertilizer, market outlook, and precision conservation. Live from the City of Fountains via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with Josh Linville from StoneX. Then we chat with Britt O'Connell from Ever.Ag. And later, Ryan Jones and Kristen Weber from Precision Risk Management. Directly following the news, Matt Bennett from AgMarket.net. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Man, you know, it really is a wonderful little town that you've got here. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're in that yeah. part of the city that actually sparkles a little bit. Yeah, well, it's sparkling a lot right now. Well, yeah, baby. it was sparkling more earlier when the sun was out better, but mm-hmm. a little bit of filtered sun down here. Not I bad at all. The mayor. I can talk to the mayor and have him turn it up if you need. I'll send him a text quick. Let me get in touch with him. That is fantastic. Not a what, an, what an in to have mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah. That is very cool. Very cool. <laughs> you know what? You go back up to uh, the bunker. Up in Northeast yeah. Iowa is, is 60, six, zero, not 16, Mm-mm-mm. 60 degrees. Yeah, that sounds terrific. I don't it's know what fantastic. it is here right now. I've got it on. Yeah. yeah. It's not saying. We'll never know. It's like 60.5. It's got to be. Down here. <laughs> it's it's just a little bit better. Welcome it. to yep. Talk at Top Producer Summit. I'm Chip. That is Davis, and we are glad that you came in to uh, to learn a little bit about what we're learning about down at Top Producer Summit. Uh, Josh Linville's here. Mm-hmm. How are we mm-hmm. not going to have a conversation with Josh yeah. if Josh is here? Of course we're going to do that. Uh, Britt O'Connell from Ever.Ag. I'm looking forward to getting her over here mm-hmm. and having a conversation about the markets. And then Ryan Jones, Kristen Weber from Precision Risk Management talking about precision conservation. It's a different concept. Okay. You've heard me talk about it before. Well, I've but, I've heard of precision ag. I've heard of precision this, precision that. Now we're going precision conservation. That's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. You know, in every section, mm-hmm. in every section, there are those acres that cost you money mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. Every year. But it's easier to go through them than it is to go around them. So what do you do mm-hmm. every year? You yeah. keep planting, thinking, well, maybe this year will be different. Oh, I remember that one dry year back in 1983. Right. That, little, that little area right there, that's actually the only spot that I got corn. You mm-hmm. bet I'm going to plant it. Come on. Yeah. Give me what a break. Doing? What are you doing? What? Living the exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let's think about this and let's save some money. Raise our APH. Oh, we're going to get into it. Oh, hello. I'm kind, wow. I, I'm, I'm kind of into this whole concept. Yeah. And um, and and the idea of saving some money, 
and participating in some conservation programs. And I love it. I don't know, maybe raising a few pheasants, something maybe. like that. Here yeah. and there. Sure, why not? Why not? Nature. 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 We love it. All right, man. Let's get to it. What have you got in the market news? I've got March soft red winter wheat futures posting an inside trading day with a low range open and a high range close. Front month SRW failed to trade at six bucks for the first time in 11 sessions, but did respect support at last week's lows. The continued availability of wheat from Ukraine to importing countries is a wet blanket on the market. But much of the activity in wheat futures at this time is being driven by money and position management. Yeah. March HRW wheat futures four and a half cents higher, six eighteen and a half. March SRW wheat up four and three quarter cents to five ninety five. March spring wheat closed at six ninety three and a quarter. Chip, that's up two and a quarter cents today. Yeah, and and this wheat market right now, I it, it's looking for a headline to give us some fresh direction. And it's just not finding it, yep. and as a result, here we are. We couldn't get back on top of six bucks in that front month SRW. Yeah. It's not a big deal if it happens only one day, but if we start setting up six bucks as a resistance level, that's going to get tough. Well, Chip Pro Farmer Crop Consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier left his Brazilian corn crop estimate unchanged from the previous week at 115 million metric tons. His RG corn crop estimate is steady with last week as well, 56 million metric tons. Traders will watch USDA's adjustments adjustments to South American corn crop estimates in Thursday's Global Supply and Demand Report. The addition of some rain in the 10-day outlook for Argentina put a cap on corn price potential. March corn futures opened steady and rallied to spike resistance at yesterday's high before prices retraced the rally and closed below yesterday's low. The downside reversal sets up corn for another push to contract lows. March corn futures four cents lower, 438 and three quarters. May corn down two and three quarters, 450 and a half. July corn futures closed at 460 and one half, down one and one half cents, Chip. Yeah, I think the trade is starting to look for USDA crop estimates to reflect a little bit more of what they consider reality in Thursday's report. So heads up on that. Indeed, March bean futures traded in a relatively narrow trading range. The contract started with a steady open and prices traded above 12 bucks before falling back to close below that pivotal level. Despite the failure to maintain trade above 12 bucks, March beans have posted back-to-back higher closes as the market attempts to gain a footing for a short-covering rally. Dr. Cordonier left his Brazilian bean crop estimate unchanged at 149 million metric tons. RG bean crop estimate also steady with a week ago at 52 million metric tons. March beans three and one quarter cents higher today, 11.99 and a half. May beans up three and a half cents, 12.08 and a quarter. July closed at 12.17 and three quarter, up three and a half cents, Chip. Yeah, that 149 on the Brazilian bean crop estimate, 149 million metric tons. That, I, I would say, is in the lower half. Obviously, it's in the lower half of the crop estimates down there. But some of the producer groups, maybe they're a little too pessimistic, not liking what they're seeing. But they've got some estimates under 140 million metric tons. There are still some estimates out there up to 160 yeah. million metric tons, Davis. So there is a wide, wide range on that Brazilian bean crop estimate going into the supply and demand report that we're getting on Thursday. This is, uh, th- this is, is going to be, it, it's going to be a big number. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I think it's still too early to get a major adjustment by USDA, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's getting late enough in the year that we're, that some are starting to anticipate that that adjustment is going to happen. Well, I asked Joe Lardy from CHS Hedging in yesterday's afternoon program 
yeah. just generally, what are you going to be watching? And he went straight right. to South America. So right. Uh, right. definitely something Absolutely. to watch. Uh, let's see. In other news, March cotton 50 points higher today, 87.54 on the close. On your livestock's strong cash market fundamentals continue to discourage selling in live cattle. April futures opened on session lows and closed above yesterday's highs, near the high of the day. April live cattle 372.5 higher, 186.07 and one half. June futures up 265, 183.12.5. March feeder futures up $3.92 and one half cents. To two forty six sixty seven and one half, and on the snout side, April lean hogs gapped lower, rallied to fill the gap, and then failed into the close to settle near session lows. April hogs ninety five cents lower, June hogs eighty five cents lower, ninety five twenty. Chip, excellent, thank you, Davis. If you did not hear this morning's show and hear our tribute to uh, Bill Northey, uh, please go back and listen to that this morning just know that bill was a leader was a champion for agriculture uh he was a friend of farmers and ranchers he was a doer and uh agritalk and davis and i are gonna miss bill and uh so please go back and take a look take a listen to that tribute that we did this morning we are at top producer summit in kansas city thanks for joining us we got josh linville next From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk and Top Producer Summit 2024 in Kansas City. Davis, I know that you're close by. I'm very close and, by. And, yes. and I know that you're going to try to make it over here for the broadcast tomorrow. Absolutely. But I, I got a feeling I'm going to make you a little jealous right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, you know, um, because sitting right across the table from me Taylor is Swift. Josh Linville. I don't know Josh if you Linville. know. Yeah. 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 I don't well, know if no. you know or not. Do you? Uh, absolutely. I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm dead in the water without Josh's info, baby. 
<laughs> love it. Love it. Fertilizer guru yeah. at Stonex, Josh Linville. How you doing, buddy? I am doing well. Yeah. I always enjoy conferences in the hometown, right? It's there easy you go. drive. There you go. Here, here. And I know that you've got a you got a terrible busy schedule today. So thank you for making time. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, gotta hit the flight. At this point, Southwest ought to name a plane after me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The the Linville run. <laughs> love it. Okay, you had a breakout session this morning. What'd you guys talk about? Kind of hit on the points that are driving the fertilizer market or might drive the fertilizer market. So hit a lot about the Red Sea shipment attacks, Middle East tension, obviously Israel Hamas war still raging, Russia still in Ukraine, the coming spring, a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, I felt like I was speed talking my way through it to cover everything in 45 minutes. Yeah, unbelievable. Josh, we replaced the 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 shipment disruptions associated with covid and all of that with as you said red sea black sea panama canal mississippi river it's not like we've got a clean pathway anywhere around the world right now for fertilizer do we no uh here for the last few years all these black swan events have really been focused in on the supply side production export tariffs and things like that now, all of a sudden, the story is shifting exactly like you said. It's almost turned into more of a logistics game. Scariest thing out there for me, the one that wasn't hit on, is the Persian Gulf, Strait of Hormuz. Everybody will talk about oil shipments through there. Very few talk about how much urea flows to that channel. Okay. So what what is the supply situation for us as we head into spring? It, it felt good last fall. Are we okay for this spring? We are in catch-up mode for the spring. Uh, the problem is we had a phenomenal fall, a huge run. Uh, we think third largest anhydrous run, so going back to 2000, back to our records. Okay. Emptied the system. And a lot of people think, oh, winter takes forever. It's so long. It never ends. Fall season wrapped up mid-December. Spring season, if it waits this long, which you've been outside, yep. it's pretty nice. If it waits until mid-March, that is 90 days. And you think about trying to refill the system over a three-month or 90-day period, very difficult. Phosphates are going to be tighter in supply, potash tire supply, and hydrous tighter in supply. And we're still trying to get urea and UAN put in place in preparation for the spring season. How big of an obstacle is the Mississippi right now? Actually, it's in good shape. Okay. Surprisingly, when you look at the river flow maps, it's a lot of green up and down the Mississippi River. The biggest issue we have today is the Illinois River. Too much water because the snow is melting. Okay. But it's in good shape today. But that doesn't mean that's going to be the case long term. Look at the Northern Plains. Very little snowpack. Guys are complaining. I, I can't go snowmobiling. I can't yep. go ice fishing. I have to stay in my house with my spouse. I don't <laughs> like this. So you talk about that. It, it seems as though we're one dry spell away from going right back to where we were. We're not back to normal. We're just much better than what we were. Okay. So affordability then on the input side of things for the 2024 season, 23 was terrible. Uh, 24 has got to be better. It is. When you look at the comparison between fertilizers and grain prices, I'm going to focus on corn. And I'm looking yeah. at December 24, say about 470, which is where it's been recently. Yeah. Urea, UAN, potash are all decently priced versus the last several years. And hydrous is a little bit on the higher side, but that's due to the fact that we just had this huge fall. Anhydrous is trying to kill demand because it doesn't have the supply in place for spring. Phosphate is very high. The phosphate to corn ratio, we started 2024. It was the second highest ratio going back to 1989 to start wow. the year out. Starting February, third highest. Wow. 
Okay, so so is is fertilizer cost going to put a cap on on corn acres? I don't think fertilizer itself, but I'll tell you, I'm a little worried. These 24 had been trading what 510, 525 in that range for a very long time. Right. Today it's 474.80. That's 50, you know, 40, 50 cents a bushel. Right. Off of every bushel a farmer was planning to sell this coming fall. Yeah. And I'm not so much worried about the ice states, the corn belt. They will grow corn. That's yeah. why they call it the corn belt. I'm worried about those acres that were not corn acres prior to the ethanol boom. So you start looking at the northern plains, the southern plains, the delta. Their profitability isn't nearly as good because they don't raise the bushels. That's where I started getting nervous that we start seeing cuts on some of these inputs. Okay, um, man, it, it, what what are you thinking on acres? What what are the guys at Stonex thinking on acres for 2024? We are still using 92 million acres in okay. our fertilizer demand models. I think that our land is still using that same number for the moment. And of course, we got people on both sides of the aisle saying, oh, here's why it should be higher. Here's yeah. why it should be lower. But we're yeah. sticking with 92. For okay, now. so at 92 million, what's your comfort level on the inputs availability? I think at 92 million, I think we'll be okay. okay. I think that nitrogens will be all right. I think potash will be all right. I think phosphate, by the time we get towards, let's say, last part of April, we might find out we're a little bit long just because I don't think the market is expecting the demand cut that we're foreseeing. Okay. All right. That's for the year ahead. Go a little bit longer term. What are some of the 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 things that you're watching in the long term outlook? Easily the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, every single morning, I start my day by turning off the alarm 16 times. And then I check the news to see what's going on in the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh, you know, it's one of those things that, like I said, right now, it seems like the responses back and forth have been relatively small. It isn't, of course. It's affecting human lives all over the place. Right. But everybody is staying contained because nobody wants to take that step. But think about to the Persian Gulf War. We talked about how difficult it was to move oil through the Persian Gulf. And this was Iraq. They're at the very tip of the Persian Gulf. Iran lines the entire eastern board of the Persian Gulf. So imagine how hard it's going to be to sell ships through there. If we get into a knockdown, drag out scrap with them, right? They can shut that lane down. Yeah, media is going to talk all about oil, but we are talking millions upon millions of tons of urea that are exported yeah. from that channel yeah. every single year. And if urea goes up, so too will UAN, so too will anhydrous. Nitrogen okay. as a whole will rally if that low probability, high impact situation plays out. Gotcha, Davis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Josh, I'm stuck on this phosphate thing, dude. You mentioned it a little <laughs> bit ago. Um, you and I have talked about the Morocco thing. That uh, Apparently, that's a lost supplier to us, at least to some degree. China's not sending us the amount of phosphate that, that they once did, as I understand it. I, I mean, we, we're not getting phosphate from nearly enough sources for me to be comfortable, Josh. How many phosphate sources really are there for us to, to draw yeah, from here? Good, good question. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. When you look at it, the top five exporters uh, in the world is... The U.S., Morocco, China, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Well, we are the U.S. We have duties against Russia, Morocco, and China. That leaves the Saudi Arabia. Now, when you start going further down the export list, those numbers drop off drastically. You go from millions of tons per year to hundreds of thousands of tons per year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, our options are limited. Now, fortunately, we are seeing some uh, supplies starting to arrive. We're hearing a few vessels that are heading, uh, heading this way, which is a good deal. Unfortunately, even if these duties were completely gone, it's not like we expect phosphate to drop by a third. 
Um, at the end of the day, all that would mean is rather than us trading at the premium to the world, we'd be drawn back in line. That's probably about a 30 to $50 correction. Okay. So it's not the silver bullet people think it is, but trust me, $30, $50 per ton of phosphate, it's something. Yeah. Heck yes. Yeah. Heck yeah. yes. Okay. Kind of an off-ball question here. It, and the reason I'm going to ask it is because everywhere I go, farmers are asking me about biologicals. They want to know. They work. Should I be trying on what blah, blah, blah. It, There's a lot of products that are coming to the market that are designed to make fertilizer use more efficient, make the same or more bushels with less fertilizer. Are you seeing any impact from those products coming onto the market? I haven't. And, and I'm not sitting here saying they do or don't work. I'm not smart enough to even trying to start a conversation on how they all work and everything like that. I sat down with a gentleman who tried to explain it to me. He said, oh, it makes the nutrients that are in the soil more readily available. Right. I said, okay, so let's say you use up those nutrients. Well, doesn't that just mean you have to replace those nutrients as well? Well, yeah, but you can draw from the soil more. Oh, okay. So maybe extensive during this period, like phosphate is today, maybe you can draw more phosphate nutrients from the soil that are sitting there untapped when this ratio gets way too high, the value gets way too high and you can wait until it improves. But it, I, it from my limited point of view, it doesn't really change the game. Maybe it just changed the time frames a little bit. You know, you, you've got me thinking right now and running the math a little bit differently in my head. Just because you're increasing the plant's ability to uptake those nutrients doesn't mean that over time you're going to use less. Right. It's just you're going to have to replace it. Maybe it just gives you a little bit longer to replace that nutrient in the soil, which, hey, in times like this on phosphate, that's not a bad strategy. That's right. That's right. Josh, it's great to see you, buddy. You as well. Always Thanks. good to see you in the flesh. That's right. It certainly is. All right, that is Josh Linville. He is at the Stone X Group and heading out the door right now to catch a flight. We appreciate Josh making time for us. Coming up next, we got Britt O'Connell from Ever.Ag. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March HRW wheat futures were four and one half cents higher, but 618 and one half. March SRW wheat up four and three quarters, 595. March corn futures were four cents lower, 438 and three quarters. May corn down two and three quarters, 450 and one half. March soybean futures three and one quarter cents higher today at 1199 and one half. May beans up three and one half cents to 1208 and one quarter. March cotton 50 points higher, 8754. On your livestocks, April fat cattle were three dollars seventy-two and a half cents higher at one eighty-six oh seven and one half. March feeders three ninety-two and a half higher at two forty-six sixty-seven and one half. And April lean hog futures ninety-five cents lower. The June contract eighty-five cents lower at ninety-five twenty. Get more market news every market day. Tryprofarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And 
it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We're live at TPS 24, Top Producer Summit, down in Kansas City, having a fun time down here. Just wrapped up a great conversation with Josh Linville from StoneX about the inputs. Let's go to the other side of the equation on grains and talk about some marketing. We've got Britt O'Connell from Ever.Ag. Britt, welcome. It's good to see you. Hey, thanks, Chip. Appreciate it. Yeah, love that you're here and and uh, uh, geared up for a conversation. The, uh, the 2023 crop, I want to stay on that a bit because I've had some questions down here about what do I do? I still got it. I should, I know I should have done something and I'm, I'm not getting the feeling Brett that it is an overwhelming amount that they've still got ownership of, but it's more than what they're comfortable with. What do they think about now? What should they be? Where should their eyeballs be? So I think the thing that guys need to be most mindful of is there is a lot of unpriced corn out in the country, uh, in the farm, uh, hands of the farmer who obviously, you know, has been by and large disappointed by price action as of late. Hindsight is obviously 2020, so it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda. We really need to talk about now that we've got the market fundamentals laid out in front of us for 2023, what does opportunity look like? I would tell guys, be proactive and redefine your expectations. So in our opinion, we really need to be looking at prices Back at the top end of the, the range, which has really been like 450 versus the March contract. And yeah. I know that sounds really disappointing to a lot of folks, but if you look long term, 450 is a huge pivot point right in this in the market. Middle of it. It, it, it is. So so we either we pass through 450 on our way to six and seven and eight dollar corn, or when we break 450, it's generally on our way back towards like four dollars. Yeah, three and, handles. It, amen. Right. And so Commodities are not typically price adjusted for inflation. That's the other thing I would tell guys. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks, you know, they want to say, hey, I can't sell it because it doesn't cover my cost of production. Or because you know, this is the this is this is the bottom that's it's going up from here. And I would really challenge producers' thoughts. If you go back and look in history, when we've had a 2.2 billion bushel carryout, when we've had 15% stocks to use ratios. Prices have generally had a three in front of them. Yep. And so even though this maybe doesn't define the opportunity we thought or would have hoped to have, this still looks better than the, the further we get down the road. Because with all this unpriced grain in the country, buyers are aware of that. Yeah. And the deeper we get into this growing season 
And the more confidence we have in the 24 crop, I'm afraid that the further prices can slide on 2023. So I would redefine your expectations and get some targets out there working at the top end of the range of this market. The other thing is right now, inflation or excuse me, interest rates are real. That's yeah. something that guys need to account for. And so we say, you know, between interest rates and, and storage costs, it's probably costing a guy eight to 10 cents a month to carry this crop forward. And so what are you hoping that it does come June or July? Um, you know, that's that's 50, 60 cents of interest that you're going to pay between now and then. That's one heck of a rally. Yeah. And is that realistic with the type of environment we're in? Uh, I would argue it's going to be really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't think that if you get a 20 cent rally and you sell it better, 20 cents better in June than you could today, that you were a winner. That's right. You yes. know, it's, it's, it's it, most people can do math. Yeah. And uh, you can you can try to claim that as a win, but it is not. That's right. I think that's the big thing. And, you know, I would also take a step back and I would challenge guys. Think about your 2023 cost of production and use your real yield from this year, because obviously we were all surprised. We were all shocked, but we actually grew one heck of a crop. And so if you back into that and take into account some of the sales that you've made, you might be pleasantly surprised. You may it may not be the kind of margins that we've seen the last few years. But when you still compare them to historicals, you might still come out okay on this 2023 crop. crop. So don't look past those opportunities. Yeah. Good, good. You know, every now and then a, a guest analyst will say something that that I know Davis writes down. I, I know he, and I got a feeling that he wrote this one down. I'll check me on this, Davis. Did you write yeah. down what does opportunity look like? Absolutely, I did. What does opportunity look like? That's mm-hmm. a gr- it's a great question to have to ask yourself now, Brett after the changes that we've seen in the market, it's that adjusting your expectations, answer the damn question. What does opportunity look like? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I just had the pleasure of, of, talking at a breakout session yeah. and, and I spent some time talking about the fundamentals of the market, but we all know this to be true. You can know all of the facts about something, but if you don't have action, what yeah. do you have? Nothing. Right? right. And so, so yes, it's important to, to, to lay the facts out and know them, but it's more important to change your mindset, to change the way you approach a market. And the, the thing that probably is most dangerous about the market that we're in right now is the fact that guys' cash flow is still pretty strong. Their equity position is pretty strong. We've had a couple of really good years. We shouldn't shy away from that. That's okay. Um, but what's happening right now is they're being lulled to sleep by prices that are, again, less than what they're hoping to sell corn for. They're moving in a very sideways to lower direction. And my fear is they're going to get distracted by planting in short order, and they're going to look up, and it's going to be the end of May and June, and prices are going to continue to have slid and I would argue some of that there's still really good opportunity in 2024. Yeah. You know, a lot of folks joked and, and asked if I had brought a lot of Kleenexes in, into, into this session, uh, but it was also, it was also standing remotely. And so I, I said, well, maybe the word got out that we were going to talk about, you know, $14 beans and $7 corn, but uh, all joking aside, there's really good opportunity in 2014, uh, 2024 yet. If you do your cost of production, it's down a couple hundred bucks an acre because we've seen it put soften. And if you're able to make sales up around that $5 mark, uh, take advantage of some carry in the market, see some better basis opportunities, I would argue you can still pencil decent average margins when you compare the last 10 years. So I still think there's wonderful opportunity, wonderful opportunity yet for 2024 that's in front of us that we should not be looking past. Right, right. Um, Yeah, kudos for 
to you for being here and talking about marketing. It's easy to show up when four and six or seven bucks. Amen. Everybody, everybody right. wants to talk to you then. Showing up at four and a half is a little bit different story. So kudos to you for showing up and doing it. Um, what kind of a strategy do you like? I'm not going to lock in on anything. What kind of a strategy should guys consider on 24 crowd? I like playing from a defensive position. We've been able to be on the offense for the last few years. And if we're real honest about it, we could just sell grain whenever we wanted to make money. Um, I want to play defense. So I like one, if you know your numbers and you're making margin, you're making good money because we all know what, what hap what matters is all how we manage the middle, what mm -hmm. that is our margin. So if you're making good money, sell, sell the grain. Um, and on the rest of your bushels, you're not willing to sell, put in some kind of a floor strategy because now if the markets rally, great. I get to take advantage of that. I get to sell corn at the higher price point. Uh, I take a little bit of a loss on my put option or whatever strategy I might've put together, but now we're selling grain at even prof more profitable prices. Um, so that's where I like to play from. I want to be very defensive um, in my approach. Very cool. Makes a lot of sense. Um, have you given the supply and demand report on Thursday much thought? What are you going to be looking for? I think the big thing we need to watch for right now is South America's numbers. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't see anything earth shattering coming out of uh, our domestic right. um, side of the balance sheet. I think what everybody's going to be looking for is production, potential produ production changes out of either Brazil or Argentina. Uh, so I think that's really what we're going to be watching for. Yeah. You know, what concerns me is we're going to lose two or three million metric tons out of Brazil, but pick them up one or two million ton in Argentina. We're just moving bushels around, aren't we? You, you know, I, I totally agree with you, Chip. And the other thing that I would say is, you know, watch the ball, if you will. Watch what prices are doing in Brazil. Despite the chatter that's out there, prices are still moving lower in Brazil. That is not an environment where buyers are worried about supply. And so, you know, I, I don't know where they're going to come in on this thing, right? They're going to harvest this crop between now and May. Um, you know, they're probably going to come in, you know, obviously sub 160, which was a record last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay. But they come in north of 150. That is still the second largest soybean crop they've ever grown down there. Ever grown in the world. Grown. Exactly. So it is still going to be a monster crop. And I yeah. think that's something we have to be mindful of because when you look at that global balance sheet, it doesn't quite, uh, paint quite as rosy of a picture as maybe our domestic balance sheet, which is still fairly tight. No. Yeah. Um, and probably giving some support, honestly, to corn right now. Yeah. So realize that we're growing the second biggest crop ever grown and ask yourself the question once again, what does opportunity look like? That's right. Um, on, on corn, there's so much uncertainty over what that Safrina corn crop out of Brazil is going to be. Do you, does that add a little bit of caution to your outlook? You know, I think it, it does to a degree. Um, you know, I think the acres are going to be the first question that we have yeah. to ask because, originally the expectation was, hey, prices have slid considerably. Guys are probably going to put in the acres that they originally were. We're going to see less acres than last year. There's been chatter that that's flipped a little bit. Weather has gotten a bit more amicable down there. So guys are more optimistic. Uh, prices continue to slide on soybeans. And so naturally, what do farmers want to do? They want to plant another crop, try to generate more revenue. And so the first question we're going to have to answer is how many acres ultimately get planted down there? Um I'm still going to bet on the Brazilian farmer growing a crop, just like every year I'm going to bet the American farmer grows a crop. And so while we don't want to totally dismiss the idea that there could be some issues down there, um, at the end of the day, I think our global balance sheet and our domestic balance sheet 
is frothy enough that we're going to have to realize some real concerns. And we may get some little pops as a result of some of the chatter down there. Um, certainly one of the things that we're watching most carefully because the funds are so short um, on the commodity complex yeah. right now, if those folks do get scared about something like the Safrina corn yeah. crop conditions, now we, now we, you know, maybe that's our opportunity, right? Maybe right. those are the pops that we have to sell. Excellent. Excellent. Britt, great conversation. Thank Thanks, you so Chip. much Appreciate for coming it. over. You bet. Anytime. Thank you. All right. That is Britt O'Connell with Ever.Ag. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a concept that I've talked about on the air before, but let's get back into some precision conservation. We'll do that next here on AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bale hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to Agritalk. We're live at Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. Ryan Jones is with Precision Risk Management. Ryan, it's almost becoming like an annual event now to sit down and have a conversation with you. I love it. Thank at you TPS, absolutely. Uh, precision risk management. Tell me about it. Precision risk management is a crop insurance provider where we really want to focus on precision data because you can do so many different things with precision data, much more beyond than just applying it to your crop insurance. Given that you always want to apply it to your crop insurance because it makes claims faster, compliance easier, and just a myriad of different things that are really great. But you can do so much more with it yeah. if it's made correctly. Yeah. And what we're talking about now with uh, Kristen Weber, also with uh, PRM, is taking that data, Kristen, and looking at it a little bit differently. Yes. And identifying how that data can add up very quickly on the bottom line. Yes, very quickly. So what we did with PRM is we put a case study together utilizing the the uh, the yield data 
that was cleaned because um, like they say, good data in is good data out, yep. pairing that with their production costs and then running a profitability analysis. So we're mapping the field, making it look like a yield map, but those numbers that are on there are actually the um, where they're being more, most profitable and mm -hmm. to where they're losing money on those marginal lands. Mm -hmm. So when we're identifying those acres that are losing money, we're also identifying if they took those out of production and put them into some of their program or change their, their practices on those fields, how much money could they be saving, increasing their ROI, and then increasing their overall profitability, which is where, we're, where we all want to be out with our farming operation. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm i old enough that I remember, you don't agree with me on that. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am old enough that I remember the set-asides. I even remember the pick years, the payment in kind. You guys are looking at me like, what in the world are you talking about? It was easy to identify those acres that didn't produce at that time because those are the acres that everybody decided we're going to set aside and not produce on those acres. Without those set-aside programs, if you're going to do it, you got to have financial and economic incentive to do it now. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's right. what you're discovering with this data. And, yes. and, and the, uh, well, yeah, with the data that you're collecting. Yeah. You, we want to ask is more always better. Are we trying to farm more acres or more profitable acres? Right. And it really matters about digging into that precision data to see literally what the, the maps that we can create, you can literally see it highlights on the map of where you are losing money by putting seed into the ground. It's not helping you whatsoever to do that. You're, it's a net negative to do that. So why not take those unprofitable acres and turn them into a different program to, into a money maker yes. instead? And it's a very visual aspect when you're taking that harvest map, converting it to a profitability map, and you're realizing that on this corner of the field, I'm actually losing $175 an acre. So just not farming it, you're back at zero. And then right. also looking at a conservation program or right. alfalfa or something different than that, your swings are a lot greater than just what money you were losing on it prior to that. Okay. It, that was in farming. I want to think conservation programs mm -hmm. when, when I'm doing this because I'm going to get a payment on that, on that piece of ground. And people like to think that if I'm getting in a conservation program, the whole 80's got to go into the program. No, no, no. In that 80 acres, there's got to be three, four, 12 mm -hmm. acres that do not produce on an annual basis. You can carve those out and put them into a program, right? Right. And that's the beauty with using precision data is that we can be really accurate with those acres. So we can leave the most profitable profitable acres in there and design it so that we're only you know targeting those marginal lands. Okay. So now we're making some money on some ground that's costing us money every year. Exactly. But Ryan, what we're also doing is we're improving our insurability for the next year and the next year and the next year because we're raising our APH. Exactly. And the APH is the foundation of your policy. <laughs> it is going to fuel your guarantees. So as you, uh, over time, it takes a little bit of time to build up those that APH database. But once you do that, in a few years, yes. your crop insurance policy, that foundation, that risk management of your entire operation is going to be so much stronger. So you are going to have that baseline of risk management, plus you're making more money every single year because you've turned that net negative then into a positive. It's a win-win-win. And yeah. then also, if you put it in conservation, then you're improving the land on top of it. Yeah, There's almost no negatives there. I'm telling you, I've been preaching on the marketing side of things about doing basis analysis outside of your price analysis. And I've been kind of scolding people for three decades 
saying if you're not doing your basis analysis and 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 making marketing decisions based on on that analysis, you're leaving money on the table every year. Right. Yeah. You're leaving money on the table every year if you continue to plant those acres that cost you money. Absolutely. Correct. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So why not do something about it? You should. Absolutely. And uh, the great part is with the new technology that if you're planning with precision, that data is there. It just needs to be organized in the right way. That you get the right partner to organize it and you spit it out and then you can apply it and it's great. On average, we're not talking about an insignificant dollar amount either. No, no. No. Give me some ideas of, of what it is we might save. Well, on this on this case study, for example, the expense reduction was almost six thousand dollars. The ROI increased by about seven dollars or seven percent, excuse me, and total profitability without any conservation programs was almost seven hundred dollars. That was just on a smaller field, field. yeah, one single field. And apply that to a larger operation overall. That is some serious change. Yes, (laughs) it makes a world of difference. There's no question about it. Okay. If if I want to learn more about this whole concept, Ryan, where do we go? You go to precisionriskmanagement.com. They, right on the homepage, there's a banner right there. You can click there and learn all about it and read that case study. You guys, I don't know if you can tell it or not, but this is something that I'm kind of passionate about. And I'm telling you, the whole thing goes back to 1983. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember working a spot in that 36-acre field across the road from the home place and going through that old wet spot that never made a crop and thinking to myself, why in the world are we doing this? Mm -hmm. That was in 1983. There's guys out there that are still doing it. Mm -hmm. They've been doing it for the last 40 years. Yep. Yeah. Spending money on that. And all farmers kind of know the area, but now with the data, you can see specifically what is going wrong and what you need to do to change it. Precisionriskmanagement.com. Precisionriskmanagement.com. Take a look at it, guys. Ryan, thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Tristan, thank, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening uh, this afternoon. We had a great day down here at Top Producer Summit. We're going to do it again tomorrow. And tomorrow afternoon, Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Eggs is going to be here. Have a great night.